Heavenly Father, as we have come together this afternoon, we pray that you guide and lead us by your Spirit. Help us all to glean understanding from your Word and from your guidance through your Spirit. We thank you for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, this afternoon's presentation, Exit the Dragon, and this is for the whole week, subtitled, The Spiritual Dangers of the Martial Arts. And that, of course, is me, by Andy Pastrana. There was a time when I would just get right into it, but a friend of mine told me, no, you got to let them know what your background is. But I, you know, and I would tell them, no, I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want them to, to even know about me. It's all about Jesus Christ. But then uh, this friend of mine pointed out that, well, People tend to listen more when you've actually been in something. I used to uh, run my own studio. I trained for 11 years. My main discipline uh, was Kung Fu, uh, five animals. I trained dragon, crane, tiger, snake, and panther. I trained hungar. I uh, trained uh, kempo, bit of tai chi. I did train weapons, uh, broadsword, uh, bow staff, uh, nunchucks. And those are just to mention some because uh, those were my main disciplines. And I did uh, run my own studio. I grew up as a uh, Catholic. Then I got into uh, New Age and spiritualism via the martial arts. And we're going to be talking more about that uh, in a moment. And uh, this week, we're going to go through different things. And I hope you can stay with me in our journey, because I'm going to share my journey uh, through this whole thing. And what I'm going to be sharing is uh, some of my experiences in, basically, in spiritualism through uh, the martial arts. Today's topic is going to be the personal God versus a universal energy. We're going to get into the foundation of the martial arts. Now, what's important to understand is when you buy a house, anybody ever buy a house before? Okay. One of the important things to know when you buy a house is what kind of foundation you have. You may have a nice house, you know, with nice siding. It can even be made out of brick on the outside and so forth. But if your foundation has cracks in it, you're going to be in big trouble because that's going to cost you more than the house itself. And what we're going to look at to begin with is the foundation for the martial arts. Today, we're going to get into the personal God versus a universal energy. Let me just share a little bit here. Like I said, I grew up as a Catholic, but I did not uh, know God. When I got into the Word, one of the things, and this is what, one of my wife's favorite texts, mine as well, Jeremiah 31, 3. Many of you know this, right? The Lord hath appeared unto me of old. Saying, yea, I have what? Love thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Understand that I love the martial arts. But as I got to know the Lord, I loved him more. He was drawing me by his love. So it's not about saying, okay, well, I don't like the martial arts, so I'm just going to leave. If there's something you don't like, it's easy to leave it. Am I right? But when you enjoy it, if it's something you've been doing, if it's part of you, it makes it harder. I used to do this 24-7. A studio I ran, we're open six days a week, but I did it 24-7. I used to fight in my sleep. 
You can ask my wife about it. <laughs> I'd be fighting, I'd, I'd be doing kick, I'm laying down, but my kicks are going up, and, and I'm doing punches and so forth. My wife one time, now understand, my, I trained 11 years, but my wife trained as well. She trained for five and a half years. She used to throw guys down that were 200 pounds plus, and she's only five feet tall. I remember one time I, we were sleeping, and uh, I woke up, and my wife was angry with me. I couldn't understand why, but she explained to me what happened. I was fighting in my, in my sleep. Come on in. I was fighting in my sleep, and what had happened is I ended up hitting her. And she, of course, being a martial artist as well back then, she decided she was going to elbow, elbow me right in my head. That's the kind of life we led. Anyway, later on is when I woke up. I didn't wake up then. She was angry with me, not because I hit her, but because she hit me and I just kept sleeping. <laughs> That's what she was angry about. But it was a part of me. I tell you, it's only the love of God that will draw us away from anything that is not according to His will. And it can be because, well, I don't like it anymore, so I'll leave. We're not doing the Lord's will. All we're doing is, is getting rid of something that we don't like. The Lord drew me by His loving kindness. John 5.39, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. When I was in the martial arts, I did not open this book. Even growing up as a Catholic, I did not pay attention to this book. There was another book in the martial arts that I was actually gaining my philosophy from. It's known as the I Ching, Book of Changes. And that's where you learn philosophy and so forth on how to live and, and, and so forth. And as I was studying that book, I learned, okay, these are principles for life. But then I had, when I started studying the Bible, I now had two books. The one book taught me about my right conduct and the right things to do in life and so forth. But this book pointed to an individual. This book pointed out that there was somebody who would teach me and actually guide me in right living. And that was Jesus Christ. And so we find that when I got into the Word, I got into studying the Bible, Jesus Christ became my master. Not the other master I used to call a master. Now, some of you are coming here, many of you have an idea of what the martial art is. But what is a martial art? Let's break it down. Martial, basically, the word martial it relates to war. And then the word art okay, can also be called a skill. And thus, martial art is war skill, that is skill in war. It's that simple. Another way to put it, some also refer it to as the art of war. So understand that when somebody does the martial art, ultimately it is about engaging in battle. It is about war and your skill in war. Now, in modern terms, okay, 
It is most commonly used to refer to fighting systems that develop from the Orient. And by the way, when you see those uh, Oriental arts, you can actually trace them back to, to, um, to India and the philosophies they have there. And by the way, you trace it far back enough, you'll actually trace it back to Genesis chapter 3. Okay? But anyway, let's look at this. There are some who make reference to WMA, which is Western Martial Arts, or HEMA, Historical European uh, Martial Arts. For uh, example, Greek uh, wrestling, German fencing, uh, French kickboxing, European stick fighting, those kind of things. But for this presentation, we're going to look at the Eastern arts that most people are aware of, which comes from the Orient. There are, system, there are several systems of the martial arts. You may have heard of some of these. These are only a few. In the Chinese arts, you have Chinese Kempo. Okay? Anyone ever hear of that before? Kung Fu. Okay? Pakwa Chang. Qi Kung. And the list goes on. Some of you may have heard of Tai Chi, Wing Chun, Wushu. Okay, in the Filipino arts, okay, some of you may have heard of the eskrima or the arnis, okay, or the kali. Those are short sticks, depending on the size is what the name is, okay, and so forth. Japanese, aikido, some of you have heard of that. Jiu-jitsu, judo, karate, Korean uh, martial arts, we have hapkido. Uh, some more popular ones would be like taekwondo. Some of you may have heard of Tang Sudo. It's just the cousin of Taekwondo, basically. And so we have, and there are many, many more, and some of them branch out to different ones. Okay? And there's two basic forms of martial arts. Okay? Let me break it down, and you'll see why. There's what is known as the internal or soft style, okay? These ones get heavily into, uh, and I'll talk more about this as the week goes by. This one goes more into basically um, things like death touches, okay? Where you just touch an individual and then basically they will die pretty soon. Uh, external, and by the way, internal is a lot of breathing and so forth. External uh, would be Hard style, like Hungar and so forth. Internal would have been like Tai Chi. But within this, you could also break it up into two uh, categories as well. Okay. There's a traditional, which is the combative arts. And then you also have the ones that are more leaning towards sport. Okay. So traditional, combative, and then we have the sport. The sport is where they get more into the external. The traditional ones are the more internal ones. Now, the interesting about the martial arts is it did come from the east, and now it's made its way to the west. Now, before stepping in here today, who here has heard of a martial art, of any of them? Most sense, right? No one came here, looked at the sign, and said, Oh, spiritual dangers of the martial arts. Never heard of martial art, but I'm going to go there anyway. No one did that, right? Okay. 
There's a popularity now in the Western world. It's not just in the East. After World War II, the martial arts made its way into the Western world through the military in the 50s and 60s, especially places from Okinawa and Korea made their way here. But it wasn't that popular yet. But it didn't take long for it to uh, become popular. Now what had happened is shortly after this, we find here in North America in the 60s and 70s, there was uh, uh, popularity in psychedelic and other mind-altering drugs that became popular. Okay, that became popular in society. People wanted to get high, kind of have another altered state of mind. Now, being in an altered state of mind, that became a common goal. People liked it. They shared it with their friends and so forth. So they, there was this whole thing. But here is what's interesting. At this time, there were also visits by Eastern gurus that were on the rise. Gurus from Hinduism, Taoism, Buddhism. That was on the rise, and they came here. And uh, what we find, that it led to great influx in Eastern religions and teachings being embraced. Okay? Ever hear of uh, the Beatles? You know, the rock group? Okay. They got into those, uh, you know, the, those Eastern arts, namely Hinduism. Matter of fact, uh, George Harrison even write a song, wrote a song about it, okay? Called it Hare Krishna, Lord, my Lord. Not Jesus Christ. He's talking about my Lord, Hare Krishna, okay? But those, those Eastern arts came in and, you know, groups like the Beatles, etc., made it even more popular. These Eastern religions create a wide open door for having an altered state of mind. Not through drugs, but through Eastern meditation techniques. And we'll talk more about the difference between uh, Eastern meditation versus Biblical meditation. We'll do that in another day, either tomorrow or the day after. Because the Bible does teach us in the Psalms to meditate. Okay? But there is a difference between biblical meditation and Eastern meditation, and I'm going to be sharing that a little bit more in the next day or two. So it became a popular vehicle used to further these teachings. Okay? What they used now was the martial arts. Because you had those, those teachings that came in, the philosophies, and one of the popular vehicles now became the martial arts. I remember growing up, um, I was born in the late 60s, but I remember growing up, as I was growing up, I grew up in the early 70s, and I remember watching movies, uh, especially ones with Bruce Lee. You've all heard of Bruce Lee, right? I remember staying up late at night watching TV, and they had those kung fu movies. Okay, late night kung fu's. I would stay up every time those things were on. You know, things like Five Deadly Venoms and all those, those things. And, uh, of course, the Bruce Lee movies, Enter the Dragon and, and, uh, and Chinese Connection and so forth. And, by the way, that's why I have the title here, Exit the Dragon. That's a play on that movie, Exit the Dragon, or Enter the Dragon. And then also it became popular, okay, 
uh, we find it became popular and more widespread because of its entrance into movies, like I mentioned, in the TV, okay? There was a TV show back then uh, called Kung Fu. Anybody remember that? David Carradine, right? And later on, they did have a remake of it, you know, a couple of decades later. Also, the disco scene became popular. One of the popular hits in disco was Kung Fu Fighting. Okay, everybody, I'm not going to sing, but <laughs> it's recorded, so I got to be careful as well. Okay, everybody's Kung Fu Fighting, right? Their kicks are as fast as lightning. Carl Douglas. So it became popular as it came in. It was not just a, a uh, uh, philosophy and a thought, but the vehicle now was the martial arts. And it was embraced, it became accepted. One of the contributors, of course, of its popularity in media was Bruce Lee. Anytime you mention martial arts, Bruce Lee is a name that will uh, eventually come up. He's one name that uh, many people know. There's other names nowadays, Chuck Norris, okay, Jet Li, um, other ones as well. Um, what was once a secret art, that's what it used to be. It used to be passed on from family lineage or clans. It was passed on from one family member to another. It was a secret, but now it became taught to outsiders. And Bruce Lee was one of the first ones to do that. He started teaching it to outsiders, so now it, you didn't have to be Oriental, you did not have to come from uh, their family lineage. You can be an outsider, and then what happened now is they opened up studios across uh, North America. You can go into a dojo, pay money uh, to learn those secrets, okay? And so they learned different things. It was now open to not just family and the, the um, uh, other uh, plants, but you can be an outsider. You can be an American and learn the martial arts. So it's now part of the Western culture. And let me break down what we just said. We see it in the movies. Would you agree? Movies like Ip Man and there's a whole series, Star Wars. Okay, they're doing the martial arts thing there. And uh, this one, it was Matrix. Um, and then here, this movie called Fearless, etc. These are some examples. There was a remake recently of The Karate Kid. It was a remake now with Jackie Chan. And it's also made its way for children's movies as well. Okay, Kung Fu Panda. Okay, some of you may have heard that. Some of you may have watched that. Okay, so it is in the movies and, and we see it's very popular. It's also in video games. Okay, Virtual Fighter 4. These are just examples. Mortal Kombat, uh, Ninja Gaiden, Assassin's Creed. These are games that kids can play Okay, and some, of course, they have some, some levels. This one's for, you have to be at least 17 to play. But kids, I'll tell you one thing about kids, they're smart. Okay, you can tell them, you can't play this, but they'll find a way to, to get to it. Okay, 
And uh, they learned to, of course, kill people, learn to fight and so forth. But in Philippians 4, 8, you're familiar with this. Here Paul writes, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are what? True. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. When they play those video games, they're not thinking of these things. Okay? When we watch those movies, we're not thinking on those things. It's also in the sports scene. Very popular nowadays in uh, Rio de Janeiro, 2016. You see they have Taekwondo there in amateur sports. They also have Judo in amateur sports. Okay, but they also have professional sports, of course. Here it's uh, mixed martial arts. Ever hear of mixed martial arts? Okay, it's growing very, very uh, popular nowadays. And they also have UFC, which is basically the UFC is the organization, is the tournament, ultimate fighting championships. And uh, root, uh, this is the roots of the uh, modern mixed martial arts. Came from basically through Europe, Japan, Pacific Rim during the 1900s. And uh, let me just share here. The combat sport of Valitudo was Brazil in the 1920s. And it was brought to the uh, States by the Gracie family. You ever hear of the Gracie family? Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, and they brought it in in 1993 with the founding of the Ultimate Fighting Championships and, uh, and so forth. Professional mixed martial arts events had also been held in Japan by uh, Shoto starting back in, the, uh, back in the earlier days as well, early 1900s. Also we see in the military okay that's part of the regiment nowadays here Grand Master John Pellegrini demonstrates combative techniques on Sergeant Gary Gaylord of Carthage New York so this is part of their uh, training regiment and this is uh, during a combatives and martial arts clinic that they did makes sense you should know how to fight if you're gonna be in war Sergeant uh, Alvin F. McLean, okay, we see there demonstrating an arm bar. And this is part of the Marine Corps uh, martial arts program. And so we see it, it's part of the Western culture now. It's not just some secret art that was taught in the Orient. It is now also in the Western world. Here's some uh, Marines, okay, with the Regimental Combat Team 5, they have the sandbags on their heads and they're doing uh, combative conditioning drills. This is part of their USMC martial arts uh, training, uh, training at Camp uh, Fallujah, Iraq. Now, there was a time you, could, you would only imagine or picture Shaolin monks doing that, okay, but now it's part of the Western world as well. Now, the interesting thing is we also see it creeping into Christianity, okay? And I'll share in a moment uh, the different uh, worldviews there. So we see it creeping into Christianity. Here's something interesting. In the New York Times, this is back in February 2010. I have a little clip here from New York Times, and I just want you to listen very carefully. 
of uh, this uh, mixed martial arts, UFC, okay? Diego Nightmare Sanchez may seem like a glaring contradiction. He's a mixed martial arts fighter, so his job is to pound his opponents bloody. But he credits his success to Jesus. I run into Christians all around the world, and they're just proud that I, that I give the God the glory after my fights. I'm always going to thank Jesus for his Mr. Sanchez is one of the biggest Christian stars in mixed martial arts, a sport that combines boxing, wrestling, and other fighting styles. Over the past year and a half, a subculture has evolved linking faith and fighting. The sport has Christian stars, Christian-themed clothing brands, and even Christ Jitsu, one man's attempt at a Christian martial art. A new breed of Christian ministers are trying to use the sport's popularity to bring young men into the pews. Safety for both fighters involved. The Lord, that your name would be lifted on high. Amen. John Rankin is a former professional fighter who founded Extreme Ministries in Clarksville, Tennessee. Mr. Rankin says he used to be a Satanist, but now Christian tattoos cover the marks of his former life. After finding Jesus, he decided to use his knowledge of the sport to convert others. He now trains fighters as part of his church's ministry. Like its fans, he refers to the sport as MMA. Christianity is about being missional. If we understand that we're supposed to be where people are at so that we can reach them and teach them and show them Jesus Christ, then we're going to be wherever they're at. And MMA happens to be one of the biggest and fastest and the, the most exciting growing sports in the United States. We should be there. The sport is popular with young men, a group some Christians feel churches have abandoned by not embracing their interests. Yet others worry that fighting isn't compatible with Christianity. Mr. Rankin doesn't see a contradiction. Jesus says, turn the other cheek, for example. He's not talking about, you know, a competitive sporting event. God saved me, brought me out of where I was at in order to reach people and bring them into his kingdom. And for me, that happens to be the arena in MMA. For Nightmare Sanchez, the Christian professional fighter, faith was no guarantee of success. In December, he vied for the Ultimate Fighting Championship's lightweight title. He fought hard through four rounds until a doctor called a match for his opponent. For the New York Times, this is Arn Schneiderman. So, there's even a branch called Christ Jitsu. Did you catch that? <laughs> and did you catch what he said? What the reporter said, his job is to pound his opponent bloody. But he credits his access to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but there's only one blood that should be shed and was shed, and that was Jesus Christ. But here we find that that is trying to combine Christianity with this Eastern art, and this art being fighting. And here's part of his prayer. He said there, Be with me, Lord. God, lead me to the victory. Greater is you that is in me. So as, as he's going in to pound his opponent's bloody, that's what he's praying for. You see, there is a difference, and we're going to be talking about that later on as well, uh, the difference between combative mind and the mind of Christ. So, New York Times, this is February 1, 2010, by R.M. Uh, Schneiderman. He wrote here, several pastors put the number of churches taking up mixed martial arts at roughly 700 of an estimated 115,000, while evangelical churches in America 
The sport is seen as a legitimate outreach tool by the youth ministry affiliate of the National Association of Evangelicals, which represents more than 45,000 churches. By the way, when you read the great controversy, you'll notice that, that what binds the different parts of Babylon together is what? Spiritualism. This is just another avenue that we find that is being used. Now, we also see it creeping into God's end-time church, Seventh-day Adventist church. Okay? Somebody was telling me just recently that uh, in another, another place, in a church south, uh, in one of the southern states, somebody was just uh, mentioning me that uh, they have uh, Pathfinder honors for the kids. Okay, uh, when they train, they train them in the martial arts and then they give them honors for certain things. But here, I remember when I was back in uh, at Andrews and going through the seminary, I was there. Here's one of the, the student movement, which was the uh, school newspaper. They had an article there, Kung Fu at Andrews University. Okay, so my point here is doesn't matter where you turn, there is susceptibility in every area. Now here's what's interesting. In Special Testimonies on Education, page 192, Ellen White writes, I have not been able to find one instance where he, that is Jesus, educated his disciples to engage in the amusement of football or pugilistic games to obtain what? physical exercise or in theatrical performances, and yet Christ was our pattern in all things. I'm here emphasizing the, the pugilistic games that she wrote. Uh, pugilistic basically are games of brutality. Okay, Remember back in the times of Rome with the Colosseum, when they would have gladiators? Well, those games were pugilistic. They were based on brutality. They were based on who was going to win and so forth. I have many times people, you know, tell me, well, I just want to train, or can you just train me and so forth, just for the exercise. But what does she say? Okay, what is it that they're trying to do? They're using those pugilistic games, now how much more so today with those mixed martial arts, to obtain what? Physical Exercise. Now, understand that there are certain exercises that you can do that are not exclusive to the martial arts. Just because I left the martial arts does not mean I don't exercise anymore. Okay, when you do a push-up, that is not exclusive to the martial arts. Okay, when you do a push-up, I mean, it's just for basically working on core. Uh, it's a core exercise. And also, uh, when, you, when you do other things like sit up and stretching, it's not necessarily exclusive to the martial arts. Now, when you get into the things that pertain to the martial arts, then now we're talking a different story. Okay? We're going to unpack more of this as the week goes. Now, there's three main areas of concern, and we're going to deal with one of them today. One of them is the concept of God. Another one is the effect on character when somebody trains. 
And thirdly, the connection with spiritualism. We're going to cover those different things. But today we're going to look at simply just the concept of God. We're looking at the foundation and we're going to build on that. The concept of God. One thing, as I started reading the Bible, one thing very clear is that God, number one, is not that God exists, because I already knew God existed, but that God is a personal God. Okay, In Genesis uh, chapters 1 and 2, God is recognized as the creator. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. And then we find also that God wants to dwell among His people. See, in Exodus uh, 25 verse 8, remember what He says to Moses? Have them make me a sanctuary that I may what? Dwell with them. Okay, and then you look at John chapter 1. It's talking about the Word that was God. And then verse 14 says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ always wants to be with us. The question has never been whether or not God wants to be with us. The question has always been, do we want to be with Him? And so we find there that God is a personal God. He's not just uh, somebody out there that has forgotten about us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? By the way, if you're getting a little warm, if you need circulation, there is a fan there that you can turn on if you guys want. Just letting you know. Oh, there's one back there too. Okay? Now, there we find that mankind's ultimate eternal goal is to have eternal life and be with God. Those that love God want to be with Him. Would you agree? See, it's not about gaining uh, you know, going and, and going to heaven and because everything's going to be wonderful and so forth. That is a part of it. But ultimately, the whole reason the person should want to be in heaven is because they're, they want to be with God. Now, if somebody does not want to be with God here, now, it's not going to be heaven for them in heaven. Are you with me? Where God dwells and self is not on the throne, but God is on the throne. It's not going to be heaven for them. So here we find that the God is a personal God. He cares for each and every one of us. When, uh, when we suffer, He suffers. He loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever uh, believeth in Him should not what? Perish. He doesn't want us to die. He wants us to have eternal life. And then, so, John 14, what does Jesus say there in John 14? Okay, remember that? He says, I'm going away. I prepared a place for you. Now, who's the you, by the way? Each and every one of us. Okay, that's me. That's you. He's got our, our place there. He's got our, our plaques with our names there on each place. He doesn't want it vacant. Matter of fact, he's going to come himself. Not going to leave it up to a delivery service. He's going to come himself, and he's going to need help. So he brings his angels, and he's going to come himself to... That where He is, we might be also. So He's coming back for us. And then Revelation 21, 1-3 talks about when, when the new Jerusalem will be here on the earth. And God will be uh, with His people and His people will be with God. Okay, isn't that a wonderful ending of what's really going to happen? This is the personal God. 
It took me into adulthood for me to realize that there was a God out there, a, a Father out there that loves me so much that He wants to be with me for eternity. I got caught up in uh, the New Age concepts and in the martial arts. There is, in the martial arts, the concept of God is basically based on those Eastern philosophies, whether it's uh, Taoism, okay, Zen, and so forth. There is no creator. This is the foundation that people do not see. You may see the house, but there is a foundation that house is sitting upon. And here it is. There is no creator. It's only a universal energy, and that's what they call the Tao. Okay? Pronounced with a D. Tao, but uh, spelt with a T. Or, some call it the Force. Ever hear the movie Star Wars? That's what they called it. By the way, I'm going to show you uh, shortly a, some, an interview with George Lucas there, the producer of that. But anyway... This universal energy is an impersonal cosmic force. Mankind's ultimate eternal goal is to become part of this force and in essence become one with the universe. So basically you yourself become part of what would be called God. That's why in the, in the martial arts they call it it's the master in you and they do meditation techniques. To, be, to get that master out. And some will call it the God in you. Now, unfortunately, there are some Christian groups now even calling it the Christ in you. Not the way the Bible teaches where it talks about Christ in you. No, they're talking about the Christ in you where you are that Christ. My dear friends, there's only one Jesus Christ. And he's the one that came and died for me and for you. But that's what is conceived there. And what happens now is we become part of this great universal force. Okay? Question, Question is, how soon in the martial arts when you train do you get into this philosophy? Okay? Let's put it this way. The foundation is already set. We are now just building the house upon it. There are those, depending on which system you are in, some will start right away. As soon, as soon as you start meditating and they tell you to meditate, you know you're in already. Okay? As soon as you walk in and you see the symbol, and we'll talk about this in a moment, a symbol called yin and yang, you know you're in it already. Okay? Understand also that the goal is over there, but it does not matter if you take strides, or little steps, your direction is heading that way. Okay, you guys understand? So you're, you're not heading this way, you're heading this way. Whether you're taking little steps or big steps, you're still going in the same direction. Ever have a little child? You walk with them, you know, maybe you have a grandchild. They're taking little steps, so you have to wait for them. But you're still going in the same direction. You let go of, the, of that child, and you walk on your own, you're taking bigger steps, but you're still going in the same direction. So it depends on the system. Some get into it more right away, but the foundation is set. Okay? And we'll talk more. We're going to unpack it more. We're going to unpack, and you guys are going to be able to see. 
And then, again, like I mentioned, this is talking about you must unleash the God in you. Let me share something here. This is uh, talking about becoming one with the universe. Okay? This here is uh, Robert Richer. He was one of, um, of the disciples in the system that I trained in. And uh, he left the system and basically uh, developed his own system. But let me just share with you, and this kind of summarizes, this summarizes the whole philosophy. This is why I'm sharing this. And um, he developed a system, and he called it altered states. Okay? Here's what he says. He gave me a flyer one time when I met up with him again. And it had three points there. The first part says, know yourself. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything wrong about knowing yourself? Not in itself, right? You should know yourself. You should know who you are. And as far as the Bible is concerned, we are a child of God. Isn't that right? So we should know ourselves. Uh, there's always talk about, you know, self-esteem. My dear friends, it's not about self-esteem. It's about self-worth. Who are you? Okay? Self-esteem means you're waiting for somebody to give you approval. Self-worth is about who you are. And you are a child of God. Okay? So there's nothing wrong about knowing yourself. Would you agree? Next point says, accept yourself. Okay, no problem. You can accept who you are. Jesus accepts us who we are. He accepts us just the way we are. But he does love us too much to keep us that way. Okay? But here's the clincher, and this again, this is, the, this is a summary. This summarizes it real well. Know yourself. Anything wrong with that? Yes or no? No. Accept yourself. Anything wrong with that? Become the creator. Is there anything, anything wrong with that? Hmm. What's wrong with it? There's only one creator. You become the creator. And, and, and the martial arts, the physical part that people see is only... Um, an avenue. It's only a, uh, a vessel in which these things will be taught. And again, that's from Altered States Flyer there. Isaiah 43.10 says, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither there shall be after me. How many gods are there? One. Just one. One God, one creator. Okay? We are not it. We are not it. Now, question for you. And I kind of gave the answer away earlier. But what is the dominant symbol in the martial arts? Yin-yang. Yin-yang. Why do you say yin and yang? Because when you walk in a studio, what do you see? Yin and yang. If you're not sure what yin and yang is, it's the symbol here where it's a circle that has a split in half. One is a circle that is white with a little bit of black, and the other one is black, all black with a little bit of white, okay? In this case, they use red, of course, but you get the idea. Same thing here. Symbol after symbol in different ones, Taekwondo or Judo, Karate, Kung Fu, okay? So you see that symbol there, Tai Chi Chuan, you see this dominant symbol known as the yin-yang. 
Yin-yang is a whole philosophy and it flows. It goes from one to the other. There's no break. It continues. But the white has a little bit of black. The black has a little bit of white. Okay? Basically, it's talking about opposites. They coexist with one another. Now, we have opposites, male and female. Heaven and earth, soft and hard, light and darkness. We see those uh, played out. So there's really nothing wrong with, with um, opposites because they do exist. But here's what's different about yin and yang. You may have light, but to have light, what else has to exist? Darkness. Light and darkness coincide. Light has darkness and darkness has light. One cannot exist without the other. That's why there is a flow there, and that is why the, the light has a bit of darkness. Darkness has a bit of light. Now, what that means then is, is for example, and I'll talk about this in a moment. You, you've you've um, heard of uh, Star Wars, right? Some of you, okay? And in Star Wars, what happens there, the famous line is, use the force, Luke. Okay. By the way, that force is equated with basically that universal energy, which they would call God. That force okay, is something that they use. If you are a Jedi, you use the force. My dear friends, as Christians, the Lord uses us. We don't use God. We are to submit to God, and the Lord uses us. We become His vessels. Okay? But there, for example, in Star Wars, they have the Force. So use the Force, Luke. But what do you notice about that? There is a battle between good and evil. Would you say yes to that? Okay? I remember going up. I wasn't following the Lord, I remember watching that, and I still vividly remember it. But here's what's interesting, with that force, okay, so you got Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, the problem with Darth Vader is he has now gone to the what side? The dark side of the what? Of the what? The force. It is the same force. It's not two different forces. It is one force. There's the light side of the force and the dark side of the force. It's still the same force. George Lucas, who was the producer of it, he was interviewed in Time magazine. And this is just part of the interview. I don't have the whole thing here. Here's what he said. I put the force into the movie in order to try to awaken a certain kind of spirituality in young people. More a belief in God than a belief in any particular, uh, than a belief in any particular religious system. So he's saying, I put the force there so people, you know, the young people can, you know, um, have some sort of spirituality and believe in God and so forth. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Later on in the interview, you see this. Bill Moyers was the interviewer. He says, here's what he says to George Lucas. You said you put the force into Star Wars because you wanted us to think on these things. 
Some people have traced the notion of the force to Eastern views of God. What kind of views? Eastern, not biblical. Uh, Eastern views of God, particularly Buddhist, as a vast reservoir of energy that is the ground of all our being, was that conscious? Here's his, his reply. I guess, I guess it's more specific in Buddhism, but it is a notion that's been around before that. So here, he admits that basically this whole concept that he came with lines up with Buddhism. And so when you watch things like Star Wars, guess what? You are learning Buddhist uh, concepts and principles, not biblical. Because there you find, and by the way, this was in uh, Time Magazine, Sunday, April 18, 1999. The philosophy of yin and yang, light and darkness cannot exist without the other. Good and evil must coexist. One cannot exist without the other. That's why you have that constant flow, constant uh, motion. And where one is you have the light with a little bit of darkness. You have the darkness with a little bit of light. Does that make sense so far? Here's what's interesting. When I used to teach that, and then I got into studying God's word, here's something that hit me. 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is what? Light and in him is no darkness at all. But those martial arts studios you go to that have that yin and yang, when you study out the philosophies of yin and yang, guess what? The yin and yang is not the same philosophy as the word of God. Okay? That is what we see there, and that is what is the foundation. But in Christianity and in reality, in the Bible, we find that God is light, and in Him is no darkness. And also, Nahum 1.9, what do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter what? End. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. My dear friends, there is a great controversy. There is a great controversy. There is a war being fought. It is not against flesh and blood. This war will eventually end God as the winner. And there will be no more evil in the world, only righteousness. But the philosophies of yin and yang, what does that teach? Will there be an end of evil? No. Because evil will always exist as long as good exists. And vice versa. That is the philosophy, that is the teachings of yin and yang, and that is now portrayed and exemplified through the martial arts. I'll give you a brief example. I'm keeping a close eye on the time here. Brief example. You've heard of Tai Chi? Okay. Tai Chi is known as a soft style. Okay. Very soft, flowing movements. Now, uh, have you ever heard of hungar? Hungar is very hard movement, very hard. One is soft, one is hard, but 
Did you know that put those two together is the yin and yang? It is the balance. Because in Tai Chi, it is, it is soft, but it is not all soft. There's a bit of hard. Because if I was to move, okay, if I was to move and it was completely soft, you know what would happen? That. Okay? That would happen. Total, you would totally collapse. So even though it's soft, there's still some hard there, that firmness. Hangar now is hard. What would happen if it was all hard, all black, no, no bit of white? You know what would happen? So as soon as the practitioner would go, it would be, you can't move, <laughs> right? Because it's too hard. So there's a bit of what? Yeah, there's still a bit of soft, even though it's hard. That's the yin and yang. So all it is is that philosophies now is played through the physical movements. Okay, and we will unpack that more during the week. Does that make sense? Okay. Teachings collide. With the yin and yang, we become part of God through enlightenment. Okay, and you know how they achieve enlightenment? It's taught through Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation. And again, we'll be talking about that uh, probably tomorrow, either tomorrow or next day, but most likely tomorrow we'll be talking about Eastern meditation, unpacking what that means. And because now we, through meditation, we become part of God, guess what? You shall not surely die because all it is is you are now part of that universal energy, okay? And evil will always exist with good. That is the philosophies there. But in the Bible, where does that teach? It teaches that God is our Father, we are His children. I don't know about you, but I love that. Okay? I love that. I used to believe this. But when I found out I have a Heavenly Father who loves me, I tell you, I love it. I love, I love the, that fact. And uh, instead of achieving, you know, through Eastern meditation, it's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we are His children. And rather than you shall not surely die, well, we have eternal life through Jesus. Okay? Because there will be those that will perish. And evil will eventually be what? Destroyed. Never to rise again. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. That is the truth, dear friends. That is the truth of God's word. Zechariah 3, 2. It says there, The Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? My dear friends, I was that brand plucked up. I was not only training in the martial arts, I was teaching it. I was teaching instructors who were teaching students. And I'm going to share with you as we unpack uh, some of my experiences in the spiritual realm. It is a spiritual program. It is a spiritual program, dear friends. And I'm going to share with you those things. And I'm going to share uh, things about Eastern meditation versus biblical meditation. Uh, things that it's creeping into our, our church nowadays. But you see, 
because of this and as I studied, and by the way, it wasn't easy. As I studied God's word, and as I was teaching the philosophies that I was teaching, there was a struggle. There was a natural thing that, you know, when people don't want to let go of something, we try and blend it in. Have you noticed that? So I was trying to take those philosophies that I was teaching others, try to blend it in with the Bible. Blend it in. And I thought I was doing a good job. But the deeper I got into the Word, the more I realized that there was a contradiction. Two different worldviews, two different teachings, as, as you have seen today. That was just an example. Two different things. And as uh, I went, I did not want to give it up. But the more and more I fell in love with Jesus Christ, the less that became significant in my life. Like I said, it's what I, I love to do. That's what I was doing. Uh, that's what I was doing for a living. I had a wife. I had a, um, a daughter back then. My wife was pregnant with another child. But the Lord called me out of Babylon. The Lord called me out. And when the Lord calls, it's best that we listen. It's best that we listen. And so he plucked it out, plucked me out. So my dear friends, it was exit the dragon. It was time that I had to say, exit the dragon. No more. And you know what happens when it's exit the dragon? It is now what? Enter the lamb. And now, from, from training dragon style, now trained lamb style. Okay? Trained lamb style. Instead of treat, teaching people how to use a, a broad sword, how to chop people up, now I use a sword that is sharpened than any two-edged sword. It's known as the sword of the spirit. So nowadays, there was a time when somebody used to teach me, well, do you still, uh, can you teach me, uh, you know, uh, the arts, whatever, there was a time when I would just back away. Now I say, yeah, I'll teach you. You want to learn how to use a sword? Well, yeah. Well, very good. When can we meet? <laughs> we'll get together. We'll use a sword that's sharper than any two-edged sword. Later on, we're going to see how powerful that sword really is. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you believe that? This was, this was me back in the day. I remember one church I was at. I, they saw this picture at the end of the, the presentations. Some of the saints came up to me and said, Was that you in the picture? Because I hadn't mentioned who it was. But they said, Is that, Was that you? And they would not believe me. They would not believe me. I said, yeah, that was, I don't know if it was maybe more hair, but other than that, I said, no, that was me. They said, but, they said something about your eyes. There was evil in it. I said, yes, you're right. But now, instead of teaching people how to fight against flesh and blood, now by God's grace and by his might, we fight a spiritual battle. And so now I proclaim the good news of our Heavenly Father 
and of our older brother, Jesus Christ, who came and died for us, and of the Holy Spirit, who empowers us to witness to others. No longer teaching and leading others into the Eastern arts. And we'll talk about meditation. No longer leading people into those kind of things. By the way, that was about a 2,000-foot drop uh, over there. But now leading people to Jesus Christ, that they too may be a new creature. Leading them to the true art, the true art that is found in God's Word, and that is the art of the cross. We will be unpacking these things each and every day. We'll be talking about things like uh, meditation. What does that mean? Combative mind, the dangers of that, and so on and so forth. And so, by God's grace, he had plucked me out from, of that foundation, which was the Eastern arts, and brought me to a greater knowledge of who he is and his love for me. At this time, we're going to pause. If there's any questions, we do have some, a little bit of time. And I'm sure some of your questions will pertain to some of the lectures coming, coming up, but we'll see what they are. Yes, Glenn. What was the original purpose of these marfires? Was it just for self-defense, or was that how the countries fought against each other, or all of them went into this There's a lot of there's a lot of legends, okay, uh, between that. But what happens basically the philosophies that came from India, um, they migrated into the Orient. And from there, it was developed. So the fist art was only a vehicle to express what the philosophy is. Just like I said, with like the yin and yang. So those, those were used. Here's one, uh, one of the stories I remember that was told me. So these monks, and there's different, different stories as well, depending on which part of the Orient uh, the origins came from. But one was, this was in, in the, uh, the monasteries with the monks. And they would train. They did not use it for fighting. They were doing meditation. And then they were doing those movements to express uh, their disciplines in those teachings. And then one day, you know, uh, a couple of the monks went into town. And then on their way back, they were met by a bunch of bandits. Okay. And so the bandits came along, and when the bandits came to try and attack them, they reflectively started using those movements and took out the bandits. So when they got back to the temple, guess what they told everybody? Hey, guess what? These things we're doing, we can actually use it to, to, you know, to fight people. So then it developed into uh, different forms like that. Okay? Uh, but when you trace it back, it's all about expressing the philosophies, that foundation. It's about building the house on the foundation that has been laid. And Jesus Christ in his word, remember what he said? That the house can be built on the rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ, or it can be built upon sand. And so if it's not built on Christ Jesus, then it's built upon the wrong foundation. And so ultimately, and we'll talk about it too, ultimately, um, that in itself lays into the meditation and so forth. We're going to unpack it more and more, dear friends. We just shared with you uh, the basic concept today, but we will unpack it 
each and every day. Is there another question? Yes, sir. So just kind of an observation that, uh, you know, especially in popular media, comic books, you know, things like that, you know, the idea that, you know, evil can never be completely vanquished. It can only be trimmed back for a time. Mm -hmm. You know, Batman beats up the Joker, stuffs him in Arkham Asylum for a while, but eventually he breaks out again, and then there's another fight. Right. You know, and then he has to stuff him back in there. Right. Somehow, and it's just kind of an endless cycle. Right. You know, this, right. this kind of thing, it just, it's just kind of interesting. You know, it's basically, essentially, an, an Eastern... Mm -hmm. Undergirding all of that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, let, I'm just going to mention what, summarize what you said for the sake of the recording, and that is uh, um, was mentioned is that like in the comics you have the the superheroes fighting the villains, but the villains are put away, but they're always coming back, so it really never ends. There's only one book I know of that talks about an end of all those things, and that is this book here. But you see, if, if there were no more bad guys, there would be they would need the they would not need the good guys. They coexist together. Yes, Audrey. Uh huh. Christ, have any of your instructors or students mm -hmm. asked, have they ever approached you or helped you? There was this uh, one individual. His name was Toby Wong. I. I I was his uh, teacher, and then I had actually other teachers that were teaching him, okay, uh, who were my apprentices and so forth. He stopped training uh, in the martial arts, okay, and then later on, I gave my life to the Lord and so forth. But I met him two years after he had stopped training. That was my last contact. I met up with him, and then I remember him, uh, when we were talking, he asked me the question, you know, we were just having small talk, but then he asked me the question, are you still teaching? Because he knew me as his uh, instructor. And, then, and, and so what I told him was, yes, I'm still teaching, but I teach something else now. I teach the Bible. Would you like to learn? He accepted. He said, yes. And so we met and we were studying the Bible together. And he every week that he would come over, sometimes he'd come over more often because he became, we became friends. But every week he would come over, he would ask the same question before we would study. He'd say, so what's wrong with the martial arts? I said, don't worry about it, Toby. Let's just do today's study. We would do the study. Next week we get together. So what's wrong with the martial arts? Don't worry about it, Toby. We'll get to it. Weeks go by. He got tired of asking me, I guess, because he stopped asking. Later on, in, in, in the studies that we're doing, we get into spiritualism and Babylon. Spiritualism and Babylon. We did that study. And as we did that study, all of a sudden, this was Toby. Whoa! I see it. That's why you don't do the martial arts anymore. I didn't have to explain it to him. He understood as we got into the Word, because he knew, uh, you know, about the martial arts and so forth, because he trained. And, uh, and so, yes. And by the way, Toby gave his life to the Lord, praise God. I did a series. Uh, we had to uh, live in my parents' basement because I had to find another job, of course, but praise God. I borrowed one of the pulpits that the, um, it was more of a stand, that the church had, and I did a little series there.
on prophecy, um, you know, where we lived in the basement of my parents. Toby's mom was one of the ones that came, and she gave her life to the Lord. Okay. I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just a new Christian and so forth. But hey, who would have thought that there would be a time when I would think that people, some people don't actually witness to people and so forth. But I thought it was a natural thing, so we did. By the way, Toby is a pastor now, or an ordained minister in Alberta Conference. So, but yeah, so yes, uh, I have met. Yes. I have two questions. Um, one is martial arts in any way associated with yoga? And the other question is did you have to uh, transition, like, physically? Because um, I assume you were staying in shape doing this, but, like, when you stopped, was it a major transition to, like, regular jogging or something? Okay. First question, is yoga associated with the martial arts? Uh, let me ask you this question. Have you ever seen uh, yoga practitioners? What's the common symbol you see with yoga? It's also the yin yang, okay? Same roots. Um, so hopefully that answers that question. <laughs> and the second one was the transition from being very active in the martial arts to now what happened. After I left the martial arts, uh, I, I didn't exercise much, okay? Um, I was still kind of fit, and, but what had happened was, as I got more and more into the health message, I still tried to keep up exercise, and now even as a pastor, pastors lead the sedentary lives, by the way. They'll be at their desk in the computer, working on sermons, working on training uh, um, the lay people, etc. We'll go to a hospital, um, you know, so our, our exercise is walking to the car, driving, walking from the car to the hospital room, praying with the people, coming back. So you got, you know, as a pastor, I have to actively exercise. So now I do, I do exercise. Um, when my kids were younger, we would all exercise as a family. Now um, they're a little bit more grown up, but um, my son, um, he likes to work out, so I work out with him, I work out with my wife, and so forth. So yeah, we do work out. And I try and stay fit. Uh, we, do, we did have a fitness uh, test that we had to do because for our lifestyle matters thing, for pastors, for an insurance, we did the fitness test. Um, but anyway, I thought, I, thought um, I was a little bit out of shape, but I was still a little bit in shape, I realized, because I did 92 push-ups in one minute. So I go, okay, I'm still okay. Um, <laughs> So I thought, okay, but now I'm trying to get more, you know, get back into fitness more. And my wife, you know, keeps telling me, yeah, you got to stay fit. So, so yeah. So you can do fitness without the martial arts. Okay. All right. We got probably time for one more quick question. Should I say one quick answer? <laughs> this question, but, um you know how some people, they say I'm like a black belt or a yellow belt or whatever? I guess I'm answering my own question, but is, it, is there a way to do those kinds of things, like if you send your child to karate classes, is it all associated with um, some level of commercial spiritualism? Okay, the question is, uh, when you send uh, your children to, to classes, is it all... Um, associated with the spiritualism, 
Okay, we're going to unpack that as every day goes by. Okay, but like the, the answer I gave earlier as well is that each step brings you closer to that. It is another kingdom. It is a different kingdom. Okay, it's kind of like saying um, if somebody gets sick and very ill and so forth, what would, you, what, would, what would you do if your option was to bring them to a witch doctor? Would you do it? Why not? It's a different realm, right? Okay, well, same thing. Okay, why go into a different kingdom to try and solve different things? And then the other one, let me just bring this up. One thing I hear, and we'll close with this, one thing I hear from parents is, well, little Johnny, I want him to gain discipline. Okay, ever hear that? Or maybe some of you have said that. Well, my answer to that is yes, Johnny will gain discipline. He will have discipline, but the question is discipline in what? Okay, by the way, the word disciple, what's the root word? Discipline. So you're going to follow one teacher or another. So the question is what discipline do you want for your children? Okay. I'm glad that the Lord has called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I'm glad that I can now worship God who is the true light and in him is no darkness. He is all loving. Are you glad for the Lord? How he leads in your life? Praise God. Who here wants to say thank you Lord for how you lead? Praise God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you Lord for how you lead us from the different uh, places that we've been at, from the different journeys. But Lord, we thank you so much, especially for your love towards us in giving your son Jesus Christ to die on our behalf, that we may have eternal life through Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And as we unpack more of uh, the foundation and more of what's built upon this foundation throughout the next few days, pray, Lord, that you continually guide us by your Spirit. Lead us that we may gain understanding and that we shall uh, boldly proclaim your truths to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.